And now, it's time for Lawyers for Jesus Radio, lighting our path through law. A show about faith in the law and in the marketplace. Featuring the partners from the law firm Mauk and Baker. Located in downtown Chicago, Mauk and Baker is nationally known for defending freedom and serving the people of faith. And now, Lawyers for Jesus. Hello, welcome to Lawyers for Jesus Radio. I'm Whit Brisky, an attorney and partner at the law firm of Mauk and Baker in Chicago. We are Christian attorneys who focus on serving the body of Christ with its legal needs. You can learn more about us by going to maukbaker.com. That's M-A-U-C-K-B-A-K-E-R.com or calling 312-726-1243. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter for news and info about faith and the law. Today we are going to be speaking with Amanda Freeman, and Jeffrey Schwab, two Malkin Baker alumni, both of whose organizations were involved in a high-profile Supreme Court case recently decided in favor of workers' rights to refuse to join a union. Amanda Freeman is a current staff attorney at National Right to Work Legal Defense Foundation. National Right to Work is a nonprofit charitable organization with a mission to eliminate coercive union power and compulsory unionism abuses through strategic litigation, public information, and education programs. They advocate that every individual must have the right but must not be compelled to join a labor union. Jeffrey Schwab is a senior attorney at Liberty Justice Center where he litigates cases to protect the rights to free speech, economic liberty, private property, and other constitutional rights, both in federal and state courts in Illinois. Liberty Justice Center is a nonprofit, nonpartisan public interest litigation center that seeks to ensure that the rights to earn a living and start a business are available to all and fights to protect other fundamental rights in Illinois and beyond. I'm going to be talking to Jeff first. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Wit. Jeff, tell me a little more about Liberty Justice and its work for freedom. Sure. Well, Liberty Justice Center has been around uh, a little over uh, five or six years, and uh, the uh, it's a not-for-profit, uh, nonpartisan public interest litigation firm, as you mentioned. And the purpose uh, of uh, of our organization is really to help people who find themselves on uh, sort of out of the uh, out of the law or un, un, given a, a sort of a unpreferenced uh, part of the law where, where other people are preferenced over them by, uh, by legal means or by government means. Okay. And uh, part of your organization's purpose is to revitalize constitutional restraints on government power. Uh, why is that important? Well, um, obviously, the government has a tremendous amount of power. It can use it for good or for ill, and um, and a lot of times it uses it to favor certain political politically connected people or groups. And uh, when it does so, it usually does so at the expense of other people. And uh, and it's very important uh, when those things happen to uh, protect that abuse of government power because. Um, it, it's so strong, and uh, there's there's very little check on it, uh, except for things like constitutional law. Well, why not just elect better people to to office? 
Well, I think that, um, you know, that is one strategy, but, um, you know, people are not perfect and um, there is uh, issues related to um, sort of political pressure on people or, um, or sometimes part of politics is political favoritism. You help me get elected the office and I will help you. Uh, and so there's a lot of uh, competing factors that make it very hard for even great people to uh, always get it right. And uh, I, I, you know, I think um, as Christians, we, we sort of realize that nobody always gets it right except for, uh, except for one man. And he never joined a political organization as far as I'm aware. <laughs> That's right. And, and of course, the other point is that uh, the government is, at least in our country, is generally ruled by the majority. And there are still important minority rights that need to be protected. Yeah, that's absolutely right. Um, there, there, there are definitely, definitely issues with uh, majoritarian uh, power, and um, we also have issues with uh, uh, minority groups that not um, not specific minority groups, but I mean groups that are not necessarily a majority um, in in their political positions that somehow take over an issue. And I'm talking about things like, for example, uh, businesses that uh, uh, that might have a, a specific interest that uh, that they might really care about, and others don't. Or, or unions, for example, that might really care about a specific issue that other people might, it might not matter to them, and, and they can abuse government power as well. Okay. This is Lawyers for Jesus Radio. I'm Whit Brisky of the law firm of Malkin Baker. I'm speaking with Jeffrey Schwab about the work of Liberty Justice Center in defending constitutional rights. What made you, Jeff, uh, passionate about this kind of work? Um, well, when I was in law school, I, I started, uh, I was really interested, I think, what I wanted to be was a corporate lawyer, and uh, in law school, I started hearing about um, interesting issues, uh, specifically at first related to religious liberty, um, but also uh, with respect to uh, other sort of economic liberty, where people, for example, couldn't uh, practice their profession because of uh, certain licensing laws and things like that, and it, it was outrageous to me that, that these things uh, that these things happen and exist. And, and so the more I thought about it, the more upset I became that, that these things happen and, and realized that this was an important area of practice that I wanted to, uh, be, inter- to, to be involved in. And how did your faith uh, help you steer into this area or, or add into what your practice area is? Well, yeah, I mean, obviously, as, as I mentioned, uh, religious liberty was very important to me, and, it, and you know, I think it's obvious why that would be important to anybody of faith, uh, particularly in a, in a culture in a country that is, uh, is becoming more secular and, uh, and, and having more issues related to how do we uh, address how the government interacts with people's various uh, religious views. So, um, so that was obviously a hook, but I think ultimately um, also... Uh, I think the Bible teaches us that, uh, you know, we are made in the image of God, and therefore I think each of us, uh, and, and, you know, our founders of, the, of this country really, really saw that. Each of us are created with a dignity, and through that digni- dignity, uh, we have certain rights, and, uh, and, and there are certain things that the government can't do because of that dignity, um, and, uh, and that's, you know, what the foundation of why I'm passionate about uh, protecting people's ability to do things like earn, earn a living in the profession that they want to do or practice their religious beliefs in, in the way that they want um, or uh, not have their money go to an organization that they don't uh, agree with. So, um, so that's really the foundation of, of what I believe. 
How did uh, your time here at Malkin Baker prepare you for uh, your current work? Well, it, it, it prepared me incredibly well. Um, obviously, uh, the uh, types of work that Malcolm Baker does includes uh, con- protecting constitutional rights, uh, religious liberty. My first uh, big case at Malcolm Baker was a free speech case in Chicago, and uh, you know it was very exciting and uh, and and just the practice of law and, and understanding how constitutional litigation works is not necessarily a, a simple thing. And so uh, Malcolm Baker uh, allowed me to do that. And then I think also the ability of uh, uh, to be able to do different things in, in the law, I think gives you a broad understanding of how things work. And Malcolm Baker uh, is, is unique in that uh, it practices a wide variety of uh, er- of, uh, of practice areas and, and because, you know, it needs to because its clients have different needs. So, um, so that was very helpful to get a different perspective on, on, on different areas and, and different legal needs that people have. Well, we're going to be talking about the Janus case in uh, part two of this uh, two-part uh, uh, episode. And, uh, but what are the, some of the other things that Liberty Justice has gotten involved in uh, during your time there? Sure. Well, um, one of the things that's related to Janus that that we're involved in is protecting a uh, a government's ability to adopt a, a local right to work law, and that uh, allows workers in their area to not have to pay a union as a condition of their work. Uh, and so uh, we have a very interesting case that uh, the issue of which is whether a local government a, 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 a creation of state government, a local uh, municipality, has the ability under federal law to adopt a local right-to-work ordinance. Um, we've also been involved in several free speech cases, um, the most recent of which is a case about whether uh, Uber and Lyft drivers can advertise uh, on, their, on their vehicles, uh, which Chicago prohibits them from doing, even though it allows taxis uh, to advertise. Um, and uh, we have another interesting case about whether the city of Chicago has the ability to tax streaming Internet services like Netflix and Spotify. So we have a very wide variety of uh, interesting cases that, that sort of check government power and give the ability of individuals to, you know, to have rights that, um, uh, in order to, to practice uh, you know, their, their profession or, or earn a living or uh, just you know, um, have their money go where they want it to go. Uh, Jeff, how is uh, Liberty Justice funded? Um, we're funded by uh, private voluntary donors who, um, uh, you know, who like what we're doing and decide to give us money. And um, we have we have lots of them. And, uh, you know, it, it's, it's entirely uh, a voluntary thing. Uh, oh, thanks, Jeff. And, and how can people learn more about Liberty Justice Center? Yeah, they can go to our website at libertyjusticecenter.org um, if they're interested in any Janus-related um, issues. Uh, our website at uh, standwithworkers.org, um, and uh, you know they can find us on Facebook and Twitter. Thank you very much, Jeff. Coming up, I will be talking with Amanda Freeman about her work with the National Right to Work Legal Defense Foundation. This is Whit Brisky, and you are listening. To Lawyers for Jesus Radio.
Welcome back to Lawyers for Jesus Radio. I'm Whit Brisky, partner of the law firm of Malkin Baker, and we're talking with Amanda Freeman of the National Right to Work Legal Defense Foundation and her work defending liberty. Amanda, what is the right to work anyway? Do you mean the law generally or do you mean the National Right to Work Foundation? I mean, what does it mean? I mean, I have a right to go to work if I want to, don't I? Yes, you do. Um, But in a broader sense, uh, what right to work means is that you should be allowed to go work for any employer without being required to pay what is coined a fair share fee to the union. In essence, um, individuals in certain states are being forced to pay dues to the union as a condition of employment. Um, And mainly that's in the private sector now after the Janus decision. Okay. Well, we're going to be talking a little bit more about Janus' decision a little later. Uh, but can you tell us more about the uh, National Right to Work uh, Foundation that yeah, you work for? <laughs> yes, it's an organiza- a nonprofit organization that has been around since 1968, and it's been defending employees' rights in both the public and private sector across the United States since then. And it has about 18 attorneys at this time that practice and protect individuals in both state, federal, uh, courts, and uh, administrative agencies. And it just focuses on making sure individuals have that freedom from forced unionism um, so that they can actually work and do their job without being forced to uh, support a union. Okay. And what is the, the general condition in the United States now with regard to the right to work? That varies based on whether you're a public or private sector employee. Uh, In the public sector, it's uh, even better footing since Janice, which I know we're going to talk about soon. What about the private sector? Private sector, still, that depends on whether or not the state itself is a right-to-work state. And again, going back to what that means, there's about 27 states that permit individuals the right to work without having to be forced to pay dues to the union. That leaves, you know, the remaining states requiring individuals to pay dues as a condition of employment. So, it, you know, the first step is what state do you live in to determine what your rights are. And so the goal of uh, the other side of the foundation, the committee side is to see if they can continue to get right-to-work laws passed so that individuals do have that freedom to work without being forced to pay dues. And uh, getting those laws passed, is that uh, through legislatures or through uh, referenda, or, or how's that done? From what has been occurring recently, it's been through the legislature. And I know in some states, and I'm not as knowledgeable about that side of things, but they do it through referendums um, or on the ballot. And even if a, you know, legislature has passed a bill, sometimes the state will come back and reverse that and remove it. So it's a continuing, I guess, moving target on how to get it passed and whether or not it'll stay in place. In each All right. State. So, so if a, a worker comes to you and says, I'm being forced to, to pay this union that I don't like and I disagree with, um, what do, what do you guys do about it? Well, we talk to them about what their rights are within that. So even though you can't be required to pay a full dues to that union, you may, you know, you start off with, well, are you in a right-to-work state or non-right-to-work state? And if you're in a non-right-to-work state, uh, you can't be forced to pay for things like politics. And so we help them opt out of the union and elect, you know, the it's called back rights, um, in those non-right-to-work states. And then there's also religious objections. If you're a religious objector for, you know, religious reasons, you're not 
your faith does not permit you to pay to an entity like a union, then you can go through a process of obtaining your religious objection status. So there's a lot of questions that are asked in order to you know, answer their specific situation on the ground where they're at. Okay, and that is primarily the work that you're involved in? Yes, um, yes it is. Uh, and it's not just with you know, opting out of the union, it's after the fact of is the union treating them fairly in their employment conditions, which they're required to do? Are they discriminating against them because of their decision not to be a union member? Things like that. So again, forced unionism and, you know, violating that right there. So for example, I think uh, a union has a duty to defend um, one of the employees, even a non-union member, uh, uh, with respect to the union contract, right? Yes, I, it's they are to treat, it's called the duty of fair representation. They're supposed to treat them equally with regards to their terms and conditions of employment. And then within that, though, there's a grievance process that the union is required to follow, regardless of whether or not they're a union member. And so if they start treating them differently, uh, that's a question. And of course, right now, whether or not a union can be required to um, represent them in grievances is a discussion. And I believe it's going forward in, you know, court battles on whether or not they can be in light of Janice required to um, pursue grievances against non-members who aren't paying money into the union. Okay. You're listening to Lawyers for Jesus Radio. I'm Whit Brisky of Malkin Baker. We're speaking with J Jeffrey Schwab and Amanda Freeman about defending people against infringements on their constitutional rights, particularly with regard to the right to work. And Amanda, why wouldn't Every worker want to join a union if there was a union there. Well, that's. I, I mean, I mean, aren't they there to protect you and get higher wages and and better working conditions and? They are, but you know, the story on the ground is different for each individual. And I have, over the last, you know, almost six years uh, working at the foundation, have heard various stories of why they don't want to use summer. The local union isn't actually benefiting them. It's just become a very bad situation where they don't want to support the local union. Others are, as I stated, you know, their religious reasons. They don't support any organization like that, nor can they based on their faith. And others end up wanting to just, they don't like that what their money goes to with the union actually ends up going to support politics and views that they don't agree with, again, be it personal belief or faith-based reasons. And so, in essence, it, it doesn't matter why you don't want to support the union. It's the question is whether or not you want to be a member. And so, um, that's, in a way, the beauty of the law. It's you don't delve into their specific reasons for why unless it is a religious objector. Um, and you just get to say, no, I don't want to, whether it's for political or for you just don't like, you don't feel the union's actually benefiting you on the ground where you're at. Okay. What has made you passionate about this kind of work? Well, it actually, I didn't know this type of work existed until five days before my interview with the National <laughs> Right to Work Foundation. So it's kind of grown over time and just the ability to help individuals who can't afford going against these deep pocketed unions and, you know, for sometimes 
just mere hundreds of dollars and being able to assist them and help protect their freedom of speech and association rights and, you know, freedom to choose uh, whether or not they want to support a union as a condition of employment. And the more I get to help them and, you know, even getting to meet the individuals across the United States has just been exciting. And it's in different fields. You know, I talk to bus drivers. I talk to teachers, I'll talk to, you know, auto workers, and just hearing their stories and sometimes frustrations and half the battle is getting them the information that they need so they can make an informed decision. And that, I guess, has been, that has helped me become passionate about it because I'm able to do it for a nonprofit who can do it for free for these individuals who wouldn't be able to afford to obtain an attorney otherwise. Well, you know, you bring up an interesting point. I don't know, maybe uh, you don't, but at least in kind of common parlance, you think of uh, unions as being, you know, groups of employees, so they don't have the money. Uh, But in fact, a lot of these unions are very wealthy in terms of uh, the resources they can bear. How did your faith um, play into uh, your passion for this work? I guess a minor, it's just, it flows through everything that I do and that I just try to do the best I can. Um, And I like the ability to represent individuals who, for their faith, aren't able to, you know, pay dues or things that they personally believe in. And being able to help individuals just exercise that, I guess, is, to me, the ability and the faith kind of flows through that, just being able to assist others who are in need and aren't able to do so for themselves. Okay. Uh, And how is the uh, National Right to Work Legal Defense Foundation funded? Well, it is privately funded. No government funds are received into it. And as one of the attorneys, I actually don't know who funds it because I like to remain unbiased and un, you know, without that knowledge, I can represent my employees without any claims of you know, influence on that front. But excuse me, the beauty is that it is all privately funded. Okay. I mean, private donors, you just don't know who the specific donors are. Yes, correct. Um, Yes. Right. Amanda, uh, we appreciate your speaking with us today. How can people learn more about the National Right to Work Legal Defense Foundation? They can learn more by uh, going on the website, nrtw.org, and from there they can also learn about their Janus rights and other information about, you know, basic rights in different states and whether or not their state is a right to work and how to contact the foundation. There's also a form on there, and then the Janus website is myjanusrights.org. Thank you, Amanda. Today we have been talking with Jeff Schwab of Liberty Justice Center and Amanda Freeman of the National Right to Work Legal Defense Foundation about their work in defending freedom. In part two of this show, we will be talking specifically about their recent Supreme Court victory in Janus versus AFSCME, protecting workers' freedom. If you have a legal need or question and want the perspective of a local Christian attorney, contact us at Malkin Baker. You can reach us at 312-726-726. 1243 or at com. That's M-A-U-C-K-B-A-K-E-R.com. Malk and Baker is a Christian law firm based in Chicago, which serves churches, ministries, businesses, and individuals in their legal needs. Call us and mention Lawyers for Jesus for a free consultation. Again, our number is 312-726-1243, and the website is malkbaker.com. Thank you.
have to serve somebody Yes, indeed, you're gonna have to serve somebody 